Welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast with your host, Brendan. Today, we have another absolute legend of a guest. It is Thomas Pietermuller. Um, Thomas has been living in Phuket, Thailand for over 40 years. Now, he's been coming and going since the 80s, but we're going to be connecting his story and understanding his dream of first coming here as a traveler and finally making it to here to retirement. Now, Thomas is the owner of Eden Grills, so we're going to be talking a lot about his new business as well. Um, again, we're not shilling that. These are people living on the island, so we want to tell you their stories. Again, as we do on the Fruiting Body Podcast, it's their journey and connection to Thailand and what actually brought them here. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Uh, if you want a little bit, if you want to know a little bit about who we are, Fruiting Body Podcast is a medicinal mushroom company. Our bottles are uh, on the table. I'm not going to touch them. Product launching in January. We're doing things, things like lion's mane and reishi and whatnot. Um, by the way, if you're sick and tired of listening to me talk, we got timestamps down here. Uh, just go to YouTube. There are chapters. You can skip ahead. You'll see the titles. Maybe you're going to uh, be more intrigued on another piece of content within this podcast. Uh, let's get this started. I check my checklist. Anything else? No, we're good to go. Okay, so without further ado, let's get this started with Thomas. Hey, Thomas, thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you, Brendan. Nice yeah. to be here. Um, let's take it right back. We were discussing downstairs. You first visited Thailand back in the 80s. What first actually brought you to travel to Thailand, and what was it like back then? Well, uh... First of all, it was quite different from now. Uh, I came to Thailand actually uh, on a business trip because uh, at the time I uh, was working for a major European uh, retail corporation in Hong Kong and we started uh, to import uh, textiles from Thailand, uh, mainly knitwear. Uh, Thailand was a very big knitwear center. So I came here as a 22-year-old uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, came here frequently because uh, we had several factories we worked with. And uh, from that point onwards, uh, I started uh, to li like Thailand very much uh, for many reasons. Were you primarily in Bangkok working with factories or were you sourcing fabrics? Uh, we were sourcing garments, ready-made garments, mainly around Bangkok. Yes. Is, did that... Has that industry changed a lot? Like it's moved to Bangladesh, Indonesia, or does it still exist? It's completely gone. Completely gone? It's completely gone, yeah. Uh, already in the early 90s, uh, which is uh, a jump now, uh, in the early 90s, a lot of Thai garment industries moved away. Uh, countries like Indonesia, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, they took over at way better prices. Thailand tried to upgrade their production to higher fashion levels, uh, but assumingly they didn't make it really mm. uh, to that level. And uh, so the majority of industries disappeared unless they were heavily involved in the local market as well, like Triumph or Adidas. They still produce in Thailand, if not in Vietnam. When you first came here, like in the 80s and doing this like type of sourcing and working with these garment manufacturers, um, could you even recall that these trailblazers like Jim Thompson from the 60s, were these people that you kind of had to, you know, understand their business model and how they even set this up? No, Jim Thompson uh, was uh, very much into silks. Okay. Uh, whereas we worked with uh, T-shirts, knitted, a lot of knitted uh, uh, stuff up to sweaters. Thailand was a very good sweater maker. Angora, Shetland wool, lamb's wool, and uh, and so on. So we work uh, mainly with those more commercial factories that uh, were 
90% export-oriented. Mm. Now, that story of Jim Thompson going missing around that time when you're in the industry, was that massive news? Were you well aware of what was that going was on? That was way before. Uh, Jim Thompson had disappeared already before I came. He, so he was the 70s then, almost disappeared? I think, I yeah. think so. It was in the 70s. I can't really recall. Yeah, there's, we, we've, I'm trying to get someone on from, hey, Jim, Tom, uh, Jim Thompson Museum. We've tried to contact them. We want to get someone to come on and really explain the story because there's so much. Was it a business partner in the stories? There was a lion or a tiger in Malaysia. No one really knows what I, happened. I know one lady. Uh, her name is Kanita. She was also very much into the silk business. So she was basically a competitor of Jim Thompson. She still knew him personally. Inch, well, maybe if she's the competitor, there's the conspiracy <laughs> there. Maybe she will, maybe she won't come on. Um, when you were coming in the 80s, now, would you also, was it just strictly business? Did you get the opportunity to travel to some of the islands while you're out here? Of course, of course, because, uh, yeah, uh, when you do business, you start meeting people, uh, you start making friends, and then, of course, people said, uh, why don't you come over the weekend? So, uh, we came on Thursdays, did our business on Thursdays and Fridays, and Saturdays we just left. Were you uh, going to like Phuket, Koh Samui, or some of the islands around Well, uh, you must Bangkok. see in, in the early 80s, Phuket, Samui were completely underdeveloped. Uh, Phuket, you were, uh, Samui didn't have an airport. Uh, Phuket had nothing. Uh, there was only Patong Beach. Uh, that was basically one strip at the beach. There was one single hotel called the Pang, uh, Patong Beach Hotel. Mm -hmm. The rest was bungalows. And then no other beach was developed at the time. So first direction was always Pattaya, right? Because Pattaya at that time uh, was already a tourist spot, let, let's put it this way. Uh, whereas the other places were completely underdeveloped. Was there even an airport in the Phuket in the 80s? Uh, there was a small strip. Okay. Yes, uh, you can call that airport. Uh, it's a bit like uh, Samui in the old days. Okay. Uh, but uh, no comparison to our days. Airport. I'm assuming the airport still would have been up in the Nyan area. Yeah, it was, in, uh, it was also in the north. Yeah. And then how were you, were you coming to Phuket in the 80s or still kind of staying? No, I came to Phuket in the so 80s. So how, yeah. I mean, imagine landing in Nyan in, in the 80s and then making your way down to Patong. Like, what was the road like? Was there a highway? Was it a dirt road? No, it was uh, more or less one single asphalt road and the rest was dirt roads. Yeah. That's and now, which, was it this beach road here or would you have to go out through the highway? Or if you can re recall back. There was then. no highway. There was a, a simple, simple uh, asphalt road. I think it was even one that didn't even go further than Patong. Okay. Right? So Karon was not developed. Qatar was not there. Uh, Rawai. Uh, all this was not, wasn't there. There was all jungle. So you'd be kind of taking this, this single road right into Patong. Right and into Patong. Now, two lanes, one lane? Uh, two lanes. Okay. Because I know I've been to El Nido and Palawan years ago, maybe six, seven years ago. And when you land in, have you been to El Nido or Porta Porta Princesa in yes, the Philippines? Yes, yes. I was there six years ago, and you had to land. I landed in Porta Princesa, and then we took a bus up to El Nido. And even in that time, six years ago, they're making the road by hand, and the bus would literally have to. You know, when they're doing that type of white concrete. Yeah. And you have to pull over. I'm, I'm trying to like visualize if that's kind of like what Phuket was or if it was still. It was exactly the same. I yes. mean, I was in the Philippines also in the 80s flying to Cebu and going to yeah. Borokai. Uh, exactly the same. Uh, they just put simple cement on dirt roads. 
There is no structure underneath. Yeah. So uh, with with the climate we have here, uh, uh, it's breaking up very quickly. So you can imagine the condition of the road. But at least it was an asphalt road, you yeah. know, where everything else was dirt roads. Over that the time from like the '80s to today, can you recall like any milestones where Phuket, you know? really started to open up was it late 90s like well before obviously the tsunami but was there like a catalyst that like really unlocked phuket no i i wouldn't say so uh i came here from time to time at that time i was living in bangkok right so uh for for the first 12 years and uh, it grew organically uh we're growing tourism uh there were quite a number of people that didn't like Pattaya so much because Pattaya was uh, at that time also already quite commercial. And uh, it had this uh, image, you know, Torre del Mar in Spain, you know, Rimini in Italy, you know, these places, uh, uh, Mallorca, uh, uh, where mass tourism goes, uh, drinks a lot uh, and does a lot of other things. Um, people started to dislike Pattaya. So they were looking for more uh, serene places, you know, beauty, natural beauty, uh, untouched beaches. So it started with actually with Koh Samet, which is south of Pattaya. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it gradually moved downwards to places that had similar, similar environments. So uh, that's how Phuket started to grow. So Patong grew bigger, Patong grew bigger, and then uh, the first hotel groups got interested in Phuket, and uh, they, they looked at places that were really beautiful. So I think uh, the earliest after Patong was Qatar, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Going in line a little bit with Caron, but Qatar was the club Med got uh, interested. Uh, there was a place uh, in Qatar called uh, Boathouse. Uh, yeah, that's still there, yeah. Yeah, that's still there. It has been sold many times and it has, has been upgraded, but it was what, what was there before. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, we had a guy on the podcast. He was a journalist um, for a paper in the 90s, late 90s, and he was here in the late 80s. His name was Steve Ross. Uh, and he said he was working down at that, the boathouse there, and that was pretty much all that was down there at the time. And it was mostly, he was saying, like, uh, you know, it would be the royalty coming and going. It was much more high class. And yeah, it's true. It's true. And then the, uh, the West Coast was developed much earlier than the East Coast. Uh, the East Coast was more for local people, mm. right? And then the West Coast was where all the beautiful beaches were. But mind you, even 10 years ago, there was nothing in the North. You know, where you have now Maikau and, and, and Naiton, mm -hmm. uh, that was, wasn't there 10, it's 15 years ago. Interesting to see now the development here in Phuket. And I mean, even this current high season, I think this is probably the busiest it's been since I can remember. I mean, it's, it's, the roads are just jam-packed now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, pre-COVID, I think it was even more, uh, yeah. mind you. The Chinese cannot travel, so a lot of people, uh, a lot of buses are not are not going around. Mm -hmm. um, however, it has. Uh, I mean, comparing it with the COVID times, uh, it, it is much better now. Yeah. Uh, okay, we're gonna jump right back on that. But a quick uh, word from our sponsor. Uh, big thanks to Five Star Marine. They're helping to keep this podcast running. 
Uh, you're, you can check them out. We'll leave links, links in the description. Five Star Marine. They're a VIP speedboat, uh, kind of a speedboat private tour on the island of Phuket. So if you're ever looking to kind of create your own package and you're going to go off the East Coast and see uh, Pangna, Krabi, PP, and you really want to control your trip, this is probably the better way to do it instead of being crammed like a sardine on a 40-person speedboat. So go check them out. It's Five Star Marine. Uh, Instagram at Five Star Marine Phuket and links in the description. So big thanks out. Thanks a lot, Five Star, for letting us to continue, continue to operate. Um, back in, in talking more about the tourism and how that changed. Now, you're here in the 80s. When did you leave Thailand and, and maybe did you go back to Europe or the US and, and what drove you to end up coming back here? Uh, well, basically, I left in the mid 90s uh, back to Germany. Uh, the reason was that my industry, textile industry, was uh, uh, really going down for Thailand. So uh, uh, there was no point of uh, being here. Uh, I sold my factory. I had a factory at that time. Uh, I sold my factory to a Japanese company uh, that did more inter-Asian business uh, with less price competition. So I left to Europe and uh, was basically, uh, uh, how do you say, uh, a consultant for international business specifically for Asia. So I, uh, I advised uh, SMEs. Uh, on how to do international business, international logistics, international finance, uh, how to communicate with Asian companies and stuff like that. So, uh, and that drove me actually away from, from the textiles uh, and drove me into medical products. Okay. So uh, I went uh, uh, with uh, part of the family uh, because I come from a very medical-oriented family. Uh, we went into uh, medical consumables, uh, buying them from Asia and uh, uh, bringing them into hospitals in Europe. So that was uh, another 20 years of my life, uh, uh, basically based in Europe. But I came to Asia at least for four months a year, uh, mm -hmm. just visiting factories and being in Thailand quite a bit because I still had property from the times uh, uh, here anyway. And... Uh, yeah, and uh, throughout that period in Europe, I realized uh, that Thailand is sort of my second home. Uh, I feel very attached uh, to the country. Uh, fortunately, I speak the language, uh, which makes it much easier. Many people didn't bother uh, to learn the language, but it's extremely helpful. And uh, so I actually plan to retire here. How long was that, the gap between, you know, initially coming in the 80s and finally settling down here? The gap was uh, 18 years. Okay. Yeah, so it's, uh, I came back here uh, to Phuket 2018. And, uh, yeah, and I planned to... Uh, 20, 2018. 2018. W were you here when the tsunamis happened? Was, could you recall I was that? in Thailand, yes, yeah. yes, yes, but I was in Bangkok. Okay. So well, what was it like during that time, if you can recall? Oh, that was a big shock. Actually, uh, actually, I was supposed to go to Phuket uh, the day before uh, for Christmas Eve. Uh, we cancelled last minute uh, because uh, there was a big invitation of at a friend's house. And uh, the next morning, a friend of mine who flew down uh, called me the next morning uh, around 9 a.m. and said, uh, you know what happened? So we all turned on the, telev uh, the television and uh, yeah, we saw what happened. Yeah. Now, 
I've had some discussions with other people on the podcast and trying to do the connection between, you know, the disaster of the tsunami versus we won't, we don't like to use the C word, but the, the current situation of what happened over the past two years. Do you think that disaster, the recovery phase, was it much quicker than what's going to be happening from, let's say, well, COVID essentially? Like, cause I mean, they're both, one is like, a, a, they're, they both de devastated Phuket and the economy, but are we starting to rebound much quicker than that? Or how would you compare the two? Now, yeah, I would compare them is that uh, people were much more concerned at the time for the tsunami, uh, huge loss of life. Uh, actually, we all, f uh, a couple of us flew down, uh, including me, uh, to, to help uh, in the rescue operations. Uh, it was uh, yeah, it was different. I think when when you have a human disaster like this with so many people dead and so much devastation, uh, that it comes a little bit different than COVID. You know, uh, yes, we the economy uh, suffered a lot during COVID here, but uh, life still went on. Uh, uh, we had a lockdown phase much shorter than any other country in the world. Uh, actually living here was, uh, for us, was uh, uh, a, a blessing, a blessing a in blessing, the sky. Yeah, yeah a blessing yeah. in the sky, yeah. you know, uh, the, uh, the people in Europe, in Germany, they were locked up. Yeah, so um, I think you can't compare the two. Mm -hmm. um, the, the tsunami was, had a much higher impact. Yeah, now for anyone that would be watching this, and I think we'll get a a large audience, they're more interested on the retirement side and finally being able to settle down here. Um, that process, was it quick? Were you able to transition like within a year? Was there a lot of planning that had to go behind it? Yeah, well, I was a bit lucky because I had a business that uh, could adapt very quickly to digitalization. Uh, so it means I, uh, I'm mobile, you know, I can, I could do my job from anywhere. But, um, I had enough actually, 25 years in the same business. Uh, for me, that was enough. Uh, I had uh, the opportunity to pass the business on to a member of my family, my nephew. So he took over and uh, basically I was free. It's not like being a doctor who has his practice and has to let patients go or a lawyer. I could, I, I was mobile. So the only thing I had to do, I, I had to sell my house in Germany, uh, uh, buy a little smaller place and, uh, and move. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was it. And uh, yeah, uh, the planning was there a, a long time ago. Uh, finally, 2018, I could realize it. And uh, I don't regret it a day since then. A lot of people that are moving here, and if you want to share kind of your experience where people will come in and they will purchase like... Um, land from a, a developer and you kind of went a little bit of a different route. Um, are you able to shed some light on that of your approach to, you know, establishing your own home in Phuket and kind of why you took that direction? Well, uh, I am in a, a slightly different position than many others because uh, uh, I had a previous marriage uh, to a Thai lady uh, many, many years ago, uh, but we had two sons. So I have two sons that uh, are basically Thai. Uh, for me, it was uh, very easy to purchase land. 
not going through companies or other legal loopholes uh, in order to protect your own property. Uh, and I built my own house. I didn't buy it from a developer. So uh, it's slightly different, but... Uh, well, in our days, it's not difficult. Uh, almost every country has uh, real estate brokers here. Uh, so even the language is not a problem. Uh, whether you are Russian or you are Italian or you are French, you find real estate brokers that speak the language. You find lawyers that speak the language. Uh, uh, so uh, people that don't know maybe think, uh, wow, if I go to Thailand or to Phuket, uh, how do I get around uh, doing these things? Uh, it is quite possible in our days. Uh, because Phuket has become very international. And uh, probably that's what, why it is one of the best spots in Asia to retire, because uh, you have the local infrastructure, you have an airport, uh, you, you'll be in Singapore in, an, in two hours, you'll be in Bangkok in one hour, you can go to Hong Kong in two hours. Uh, so you have a lot of... Uh, metropolitan life around you for people that get tired of island life. Uh, but even in, within Phuket, you know, you, you find even up to Louis Vuitton stores, Chanel, everything is here now. Uh, so it's it's not as provincial as might pe people from outside yeah, might think. You, you can quickly, I mean, if you want to be the tourist, you can hop on a boat and go to PP or Krabi, and it's it, well, all this stuff is close by. That's this tourist uh, thing. Well, or if know. you need the city life, it's an hour flight to Bangkok, yeah, that's and it's what I'm saying. cheap as chips. That, that's exactly what I'm saying. I, I've never really traveled too much in Europe. I've been in Asia pretty much the past 12 years, and kind of my idea was, I first let me see all of Southeast Asia to Asia before I... My idea is to see Europe when I'm a bit older, like 45, 50 plus, um, and specifically just so I can just spend all the money I want. It's easy to live here. Um, you've been to Spain, Mallorca, these other like major tourist travel destinations. In comparison of them to Phuket, is Phuket still the best place on earth to live? To live, uh, well, you have to look at various points. Uh, first of all, weather conditions. Uh, originally, I thought... Uh, Phuket has the best weather conditions uh, I could think of because even even the European islands uh, they are dead in winter. Uh, it's not that they are freezing cold, but they run between you know, twelve and fifteen degrees. You do, uh, with rain, you don't want to be no. there, right? So uh, for for most people uh, that retire in Europe that would also only be a summer spot and they, they would return somewhere else uh, in their own countries uh, for, for the winter time or go into other homes depending on how, how much money they got. Um, Phuket, uh, that is a, a big change from the 80s to today, right? Living here in the 80s, clockwork, end of October, no more rain, right? Uh, Beautiful weather between 27, 28 degrees in the evening, 20 degrees uh, throughout mid of March. Never ever saw rain, right? Uh, and then came the hot, the two hot months, also dry, and then there came the rainy period uh, with massive showers in the late afternoon, but not all day also. That has completely changed. Mm -hmm. Weather is completely unpredictable here now. Right, you could have a phase of three weeks no rain in July, and what you see now, rain in December. Yeah, it's it's been 
quite strange. I'm not sure if it's almost like the weather's just transitioned and moved two months. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, not really. Or because uh, uh, what, what do you think it is exactly? I mean, obviously, you're you're. Well, it's climate change. I mean, it doesn't. Uh, it didn't stop at Phuket, you know. So, uh, yeah. In in terms of uh, being the best place of the world, the earlier question. Uh, uh, I would say, as a comp in complexity, food, people, weather. Uh, infrastructure, way, way of life, infrastructure. Basically, I still believe it's one of the best places in the world uh, to retire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. I, I was almost thinking like the well, like to balance your life. It's like Phuket is come and do your December to April, and then go to back to Europe your April to. That's December. what I did in yeah. the. Uh, when did that start? Uh, that I did after my son was born, uh, 2000, starting 2008. Starting 2008, until I moved here these 10 years. Uh, I came here late November and I left in April. I had an apartment in Bangkok and uh, we, we stayed here, the whole family. Do you think you'll here. start to push that up like next year, maybe come in December, just because, I mean, it's been horrible this no, year. I live here throughout the yeah. year now. You know, my uh, I have a 14-year-old son. He's going to British yeah. International School here, so uh, uh, I can leave the island only during during his holidays. And the other areas in Southeast Asia, like in Phuket, has everything, and especially in terms of the international schools, the malls. You can go to Bangkok. I don't think there's really another city in all of A Southeast Asia or Asia that even compares, like. Kuala Lumpur, these these islands outside of Malaysia, Singapore is uh, it's still very concrete and robotic, and Bali is just forget about it. The infrastructure is a nightmare. Is there any hidden gems out there that you could foresee um, competing with Phuket in the next ten to fifteen years? No, uh, just by merely by land size. Mm. Uh, Phuket has uh, sixty by twenty kilometers, uh, four hundred thousand people living here. That's a, a middle-sized town. Uh, right, so uh, all the islands in Southeast Asia are much smaller. Yeah. Right, so uh, Bali has a similar size, but uh, yeah, uh, it has also different people, right? Uh, and I infrastructure is not as 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 good as here. Yeah, and also Bali, it's still it's at a, it's far. I mean, it, Bali to fly, I think. You want to, but Bangkok to Bali, there's always some sort of layover. I mean, it can take like door to door ten hours. Like it's not that. No, it's not that far. But uh, no, I, I mean, at Bali is four hours, so it's uh, it's about five hours. Five hours. Flight. If you're doing like layovers, like I've I had to lay. I think I layovered in Singapore once, but I mean, but Bangkok ten Passar has quite a few flights. So to direct. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think last time I went, I've been there five times, and the last time I said I'm not going back. It was yeah. just, oh, well, the problem with Bali, um, and that's for people that, how do you decide, Phuket or Bali? The issue I found with Bali is maybe you're staying in Changu and you want to go to dinner in Seminyak. Well, you could be in a, a yeah, yeah. van for f an hour and a half. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. That's and, true. And, that's, and it's just, it gets quite frustrating. And, yeah, you could be on a motorbike, but now you're on, like, farm roads that are one-way motorbikes. It's a bit yeah, a bit stressful as well. Yeah, true. Um in regards to maybe like Koh Samui, I've thought about that like maybe in 10 years that it could compete with Phuket if they're able to reduce the cost of traveling by flight between Bangkok and Samui. 
Um, currently, those flights, they range from, let's say, 48,000 baht. Meanwhile, you can get a round trip from Phuket at, at two. But if they were to expand that airport and make it more accessible at a lower cost, do you see Koh Samui being a competitor? Koh Samui has always been a competitor in a certain range of tourists. Uh, I saw it develop. I, I own some land on the island once. Um, but this, the speed of development is way less than Phuket. So uh, actually they grew, basically they grew at the same time, right? But at some stage Samui stopped because people realized that the, the size is not there uh, uh, in order to grow metropolitan style of shopping centers or uh, uh, putting this into Samui. Mm -hmm. uh, the other major reason is uh, flight expenses. Their exclusivity. Uh, Bangkok Airways has the exclusive. When when they de developed the airport, uh, it was linked to Bangkok Airways exclusivity to fly to Phuket, uh, to Samui. Is there a contract when that would expire? I, I don't know uh, whether there there is still the contract, yeah. but uh, whether it was uh, 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 it would ever expire, I don't even know. I mean, whoever wrote that. I think it's linked to that airport. Uh, and uh, if anybody else wanted to fly where they're like uh, Thai Airways, Thai Smile, Nok Air, whatever they're called, uh, they would have to build a new airport. Yeah, I was, I was wondering like why they wouldn't have cheaper flights. It would just bring, I, I feel like, do you think a Monopol part of it? Monopolism. Do you think any part of it has to do with like the province of Phuket? They wouldn't want that either because you might get people coming here for a week and then jumping over to Samui. And if it's cheap, it's possible. But when the price is that, they're like, I'll just spend my two weeks here. Yeah, well, they have the option to go. I mean, it's not yeah. it's not crazy expensive, and then they still can go by bus and ferry. You know, it's yeah, it's it's such a it's a. I mean, yeah, you can fly well, with the road yeah. road development from here to to Suratani. Uh, the road's amazing. It's amazing. It's only three hours. So and then one hour one hour by ferry. Yeah. Some people enjoy enjoy the ride. I was, I was having a conversation, uh, uh, a guy was on the podcast yesterday, and he's doing some business now in Pattaya. Would you happen to know, why are there no flights to Hua Hin from Phuket? Why are there no flights from Phuket to Pattaya? Like, for, for someone like myself, I would love a flight from Phuket to Hua Hin just to go for a weekend to play golf. But I'm not going to fly to Bangkok and drive three hours to go play golf. Is there a reason why these these connections don't open? I think they have uh, analyzed the potential already quite some time. And uh, uh, you remember there were recently some flights from Utapau to Bangkok. Uh, Utapau is the Pattaya airport. Okay. Uh, and they were stopped because hardly anybody on the flight, right? As long as... Uh, may not forget the airports are way out so if i go to pa pattaya by flight right i have to drive to the airport it takes me 45 minutes i have to check in i have to fly i have to wait for my luggage and go out uh, by by the motorways they have these days uh, i'm in pattaya in one and a half hour no uh, i'm sorry i was right? referring is the same thing i'm referring phuket to Hohen, phuket, uh, phuket to pattaya uh, why haven't probably probably the same frequency problem, right? I don't I don't think there will be enough people to justify that. Hua Hin doesn't even have an airport yet. Mm. I thought I thought I saw Hua Hin or maybe it was Pattaya. I think there's direct flights from Malaysia to these places. 
to Uta um, Power, I think so, yeah, but yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure. But uh, Huahin doesn't have an airport. It's only a, a very small strip for small small planes. The development, and I mean, since you've you've seen it all, the development of Phuket. I mean, it, it's we're we're almost at the edge. I mean, all I can foresee left is getting up towards like Lyon, and there's a lot of potential up there. Where, what do you see is next on the verge of the development in Phuket? What's coming? Uh, well, there is uh, behind uh, uh, by behind my cow, which is the most northern developed beach. There's another beach that goes up to Saracen Bridge uh, that could be developed. Just behind the bridge, there's also up to Natai to the one side and uh, Pangna to the other side. There is still a lot of land that could be developed. So I think it will grow out a little bit of Phuket. Uh, towards uh, towards the northern uh, to the yeah mm. let's say the, the northern point and and uh, beyond the bridge yeah like Natai and pushing it's just those beaches once you kind of pass Naithan Nayan the beaches kind of turn to that Kaolack style or it's you know it's uh, not like Surin Beach or, or yeah, yeah 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 of course it's uh, not these cozy beaches they don't have them no. they have these very long beaches down there yeah yeah I've been have you been up, up to Kaolack recently. Uh, last time a year ago? Yeah, it's. Uh, mem have you been to Memories Beach before? Not that I could. There's no. a couple. There's a couple hidden. It's like an old surf school, but they're they're quaint. They're hidden. I mean, there's not too much to do in Kalak, but there's a big. Okay. There's a big. Um, I noticed. Maybe you're aware. There's a big Swedish and German population in Kalak. Do you know why? Why is that? Well, Sweden has a big tradition of traveling to this area, so. Uh, just look at the tsunami. The the majority of dead tourists were Swedish uh, in 2004. And uh, Kaulak also. Uh, it was basically built on Scandinavian tourism. Do you and know wh why they s decided to settle there? Any particular well reason? It's not a, f a question of settling there. Uh, all Scandinavian nations are absolute minority now in Phuket or uh, anywhere. For, for people that call themselves residents, foreign residents or even part-time residents, you know. Uh, it's not so many. I mean, the majority is British. Uh, second largest community is Russian, uh, followed by the French and Belgians. Even we Germans uh, are only number six or seven uh, uh, in terms of uh, local residents. And they are not... There are not a few, you know, uh, looking at the fact that you have eight international schools uh, in Phuket with uh, almost, on average, 600 kids, mm -hmm. right? You can imagine how many families live here, foreign nationalities. Yeah, and I mean, I can, I can see it just continue to grow, especially as people become, you know, more, I don't want to say digital nomads in that sense, but a lot of families are moving here, younger families that are able to work, you know, remotely. Um, I would assume that they're, they're going to need to start maybe building more schools as well. I mean, because they're going to have to cater to this audience. Well, at out. the moment, it's still quite a big frequency, you know, uh, fluctuation. Uh, people come to the island, leave the island. Uh, I see that at our school. Uh, they're coming and going. Uh, always 10% coming, 10% going. Um yeah, maybe at the end of the day, but uh, the Americans just built Oak Meadows, uh, another international school, uh, opened last year. Where's that located? Uh, it's behind the Central. Okay. Uh, 
in in Katu. Uh, so, uh, well, I see Phuket developing into a more luxurious spot. Um, if you d- if you look at the famous places in the world, Saint Tropez, Ibiza, Mykonos, Malibu, Santorini. Santorini is too small. Santorini is too small and doesn't have this flair. Right, Phuket could become the Asian uh, type of Saint Tropez, mm. right? Where really, really wealthy people have their retreat, whether for temporary t- or for for a certain period of the year or for the whole year, um, and the infrastructure is building around that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it actually led me. Uh, 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 Going to retire here, uh, I felt after the first half year or six months uh, or eight months, I thought, Jesus, that's not enough for me, right? So I started also thinking of what what could bring Phuket further in the direction where it is going now. So uh, I started also some uh, some you know hobby businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, let's jump in that and connect it. So you recently uh, launched Eden Grill. It would have been over the summertime when you're getting that all started. Um, now, initially, yeah, last March. Yeah, la- I visited when it was just being built as well. And initially, you kind of had the concept of like a beer garden and things have transitioned. Can you explain a little bit about the location and uh, the concept behind Eden Grill that's located in Boat Avenue and what, no, what, I, what that all, how that all came together? Well, basically, it uh, it was a coincidence because uh, in late 2020, somebody offered me the biggest plot of land in Boat Avenue uh, uh, near the, near the lake or on the lake. Let's put it this way, because uh, the former owner uh, uh, or leasee uh, uh, he decided to leave Phuket, uh, and uh, he he needed the money, so uh, I took it over not knowing what to do with it. Uh, basically, it was a jump into an investment because I thought after COVID, that plot of land, which is the biggest and most beautiful in Boat Avenue, uh, probably will sell well. Uh, so, But over time, uh, given that you don't do anything on the property, it started to deteriorate. Uh, even showing it to to a potential buyer would have been an embarrassment uh, because it was nearly a ruin, you know, uh, and and uh, uh, totally littered. And so I said uh, to myself, uh, I might as well develop it, you know. No matter what what it is, I have to renovate it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it went in line with what I said earlier. Uh, Phuket is going into a different direction, right? It's becoming more an island with a metropolitan flair, right? Where people that are actually used to city life would still feel comfortable here uh, because they have all the uh, benefits of island life and beaches in combination with everything being available, Mm. right? Whether it's food, restaurants, shopping, everything is there. Right, not to the extent of a city, but at least acceptable. That's when I said, you know, we have Louis Vuitton, we have Chanel, we have Dior, we have 
everything here now. Yeah, at the new central. That's right. So uh, looking at the restaurant uh, business in, in Phuket, uh, basically you have three choices. One, beach meets beach club. Second, hotel, right? Uh, hotel restaurants. Or you go to restaurants, they are all located on streets, right? That means motorcycles, driving by, cars, smell, all this kind of thing. Even the best uh, are located at streets. Mm -hmm. So I said bringing a metropolitan style of restaurant that is different uh, from everything else in Phuket to Phuket would basically be a market. So the beer garden was the second thought. The Metropolitan Grill Restaurant was the first thought. So that's what that's what you did. Yeah, I think a, a lot of res like well, my girlfriend she lives in Bangkok and she's coming back and forth, but she's pretty much settled here now. And most people that do live in big Bangkok, and even for people like ourselves that visit there, that's the biggest hole always missing in Phuket. It's like we love it here, but the food there is so good. And if we could just bring it here as well, um, you guys have done that with Eating Grill and and. Could you talk a little bit about how that, how you guys have differentiated from the rest of the competition in Boat Avenue? Because there really isn't another type of restaurant like yours in that area. Yeah, basically uh, what we did is we built everything around a huge grill, right? So the core of our, our restaurant is the grill. Whether it is meat from the grill, whether it's... Uh, uh, seafood from the grill, it's all built around the grill. Our grill is 4 meter 50 long or something like that, you know, even has rotation grill. So uh, that is a concept that is quite Mediterranean, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so we were bringing Mediterranean style of idea, not country oriented. It is not French, it is not Italian, it's not Greek, but there are all these Mediterranean countries. So, and we said, if we can do a really decent steak, if we can do a really decent lobster from the grill or tiger pawn from the grill and garnish it with a lot of signature style things, that would be a completely different concept. Uh, and uh, it would be unique because I don't want to go, most of the restaurant owners are my friends here actually. <laughs> you know, I don't want to show them competition. I want to add to the life uh, in Phuket and uh, uh, and just build, put something on top of it or, you know, uh, alongside. So uh, we do a lot of signature side dishes and sauces that nobody else has. Uh, we have our own butchery. Uh, we have our own grocery with cold cuts and a crazy type of cheeses that you can hardly even buy in Villa Market. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, in that sense, we are very unique. And if you see the... Uh, the location and and the uh, construction is very different uh, than from anybody else here in Phuket. Yeah, and you're right on the water as well. And as soon as this damn rain goes away, yeah. I think it will be a lot better. I was we went one night down there, and then uh, it was, the food was great. We had a great atmosphere. Then it just rains right at sunset. Like, yeah. Okay. It's also so, by size. You know, uh, I mean, our, our restaurant has I think 160 seats. I, only the restaurant and grill, the beer garden has another 180. What now? I mean, me living in, in Phuket six years, Boat Avenue, most of the restaurants have survived and they do well, but some come and some go. 
when you're investing into a restaurant and these issues that could arise and why restaurants fail, to your mind, more from the personal side, why do some of these restaurants not succeed in Phuket? Well, uh, I think a lot has to do with the initial concept. Uh, the second major thing is the chef. If you have a good cook, you have already half of the, half of the success you, you wanted or you need. Uh, it's then how you promote and what, let's say, what finance you got uh, in order to do really proper promotion. Mm -hmm. Because uh, we, our main target area is, of course, the local uh, Phuket residential uh, uh, people. Like the expats. But, yeah. but, but we, our promotion goes up to Bangkok because uh, a lot of, uh, let's say, uh, higher social level people from Bangkok, they fly over for the weekend. Some of them have holiday houses here or holiday apartments. And... Uh, they also look, where do, if we go Saturday, Sunday, where do, where do we choose to eat, mm -hmm. right? So uh, that's another market. Uh, but it's, uh, we didn't plan with tourists. Mm -hmm. we, so it's, uh, if others succeed or don't succeed, it has uh, a lot to do with, uh, with their initial concept. Yeah, and, and I find it's a lot with the returning customers in terms of, like, the local expats living here, um, if they're coming back consistently. Um, and, and you start to see that around the island as well. These are the shops that continue to succeed. Um, that whole area of Boat Avenue, is that kind of like the final touch, or have you heard of any further development, like, going on in this area? No. Uh, I think uh, such developments, like, Boat Avenue heavily depend on what residential areas are around it. So uh, residential areas that are really uh, nice in terms of location, view, etc., uh, are not so many left in Phuket, to be mm -hmm. honest. So uh, if you look at Laguna with the uh, with its own golf course, with all these developments in Laguna itself, then going over to Layan. That's all vicinity, right? Even Serene has little nightlife in comparison to Boat Avenue, right? So uh, I think Boat Avenue will be a real center. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it will continue to grow. And they're growing across the street. Uh, I was talking to Paul the other day. They're doing a type of residency there. It's called a HOMA, H-O-M-A. Yes, yeah. And they're building that and that whole... They, they're just going to, if they can figure out a way to connect that to Bauda Avenue with because the, the walking traffic's going to, it's impossible. Yeah, yeah, it's they can figure out, I don't know, maybe a giant oversized bridge. Yeah, yeah. um, one last thing I wanted to touch uh, on before we end this, we're almost at an hour. That clock comes in handy. It keeps me flowing well. Um, now, you, you, you have also like a, a high-end fashion bikini um, store. It's called Inf Infinity? Yes, Infinity, Infinity & Co. Yeah. And you opened that. That's got to be three, four years, maybe more than that, right? Well, that uh, basically developed. It's uh, My wife is handling that. Uh, but, well, before, uh, to frame that question, coming from the fashion industry yeah. and now bringing this high-end fashion to Boat Avenue and what you're doing, I mean... This, this type of product doesn't really exist around this area or the island. How did not that come? Not even in Thailand. Not, not, yeah, again, not even in, yeah, in Thailand. How did that concept come together initially before you kind of put, put, put that or built that store, essentially? Well, it's simple. Uh, 
when we decided as a family to go to Phuket for retirement, my wife, who is a bit younger than me, said, I cannot live on an island without doing anything. And she came from the high-end fashion uh, industry. She was working for uh, as a store manager for uh, uh, a, a very famous uh, concept store in Düsseldorf. And she was used to deal with high-end brands. So uh, initially we did a quick research uh, only here in Phuket. Later on we extended this to Bangkok and uh, found that swimwear, for the level of people that live in Phuket, the swimwear market is totally underdeveloped. It's either functional swimwear like these people like uh, the surfer or, or uh, arena or whatever the brands are, um, or it is uh, cheap imports from China. So, uh, but we saw the brands coming, you know, in the, in the garment industry, we saw Chanel coming, Dior coming, said, wow, uh, where are all these famous swimwear brands, Beach Bunny from the US, uh, Luli Farmer from the US, Osiree, MC2 Cent Bars, and so on. And we saw the French brand Ville Bacin coming here. So uh, we said there's a there's a market gap, right? Uh, because do people really go functional swimming here, or do they go to beach clubs and want to show off a little bit? You know, go to be on yachts, right? Want to be seen? So uh, we took it from there, and uh, we built the concept for uh, a rather exclusive swimwear store. We we. I think my wife carries about 15, 20 different brands, the most famous brands in the world, uh, and has them one, one, one in each size so that people that buy it and go to a party or go to a, on a yacht uh, appointment or to a beach club don't see the neighbor wearing the same stuff at the, uh, uh, immediately. Mm -hmm. right? And that caught a sort of caught... Not only the attention, uh, that caught the, the people to say, wow, uh, we, s we rather spend a bit more, but we have good quality products and, uh, and uh, uh, exclusive fashion design. Yeah, and they have those <laughs> options when they come here, especially people, again, going to your Cafe Del Mars, going to your Kudo Beach Club is, or, or yacht parties as well. Yeah. You, you have some options as well. How are you uh, driving the traffic there? How can people find these stores or... Um, What's the best way for anyone to come and find you for that information? No, basically, in, uh, uh, Infinity and Co is on Instagram. It's on Facebook. Uh, uh, we don't do much advertising because uh, it's mouth-to-mouth -mouth propaganda. A lot of people that know us tell others, if you want to have something like that, you have to go there. Yeah. Right? So uh, we don't need this massive frequency because uh, anyway we have only people asked uh, asked us why why don't you do online uh, sales said if i have only one 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 uh, i have no stock yeah right so the exclusivity we rotate uh, or my wife rotates the stock very often so that we always have constantly new stuff but not in depths in masses mm. right but we now opened another store in uh, blue tree oh really so, yeah oh, okay so we have a second one in Blue Tree now. Yeah, I think Blue Tree, initially when they opened, I wasn't sure how they were going to do, but then I think because COVID hit. But it seems like there's a lot of traffic being driven there now. Um, I think it's just going to take some time before it, that whole complex opens up. Yeah. 
it's always been a question of getting in and out, but now they have opened up the back road on the Passac. It makes it a little, if anyone's unaware of that, yeah. it's probably better to the come in. The shopping mall is gate. still a bit quiet, but yeah. I think they will, now they have a new management. I think they will uh, basically uh, improve on the frequency and, and, and the customer flow. So uh, we are hopeful. Okay. Um, just before we wrap it up, we're probably at about an hour. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, wh one other question. Quick question, because you have been here um, for the past 40 years, let's say. Uh, are there any hidden gems in all of Thailand that, you know, maybe most tourists or, or something that's on your radar that, you know, you, you've been to that you would highly recommend for people? And it could be extremely off the beaten path, not in Phuket, but anywhere in Thailand that maybe people would not be aware of. That's very difficult to say because... Uh, uh, People probably that come to Thailand to travel Thailand see almost everything. Well, um, besides the islands, I take uh, the islands out. Uh, one of my favorites is the, the Golden Triangle, uh, uh, where Laos, uh, uh, Laos, uh, Myanmar, and Thailand meet. Mm. Uh, it's an amazing, amazing area. Then another area that people are not aware of is. Uh, Khao Yai National Park. Oh, north of Bangkok. No, yeah, yeah. Sarabri, yeah. Yeah, yeah which is uh, more or less the Switzerland, the Switzerland of Thailand. You know, it's, uh, it's mountainous. Uh, it is co much cooler than the rest of the country. Mm -hmm. uh, it goes higher, up to 1,400 meters. Uh, it has all the wineries. Uh, I think the Thais, they call it Kor Korat? Nope. It's, it's different than... Korat, Korat is Isan. That okay. is north of Thailand, near the Laos border. Uh, Khao Yai is... Uh, basically, the whole thing is a national park. Yeah, the, um, the waterfalls in there are massive. Well, you can't swim the in waterfalls. them. Waterfalls. You have all the cow farms. Yeah. You, know, the you dairy, see the deer running all around. All the dairy, dairy farms yeah. are there. Uh, it's a little bit like Western style, you know. Mm. Uh, you have ranches, you have horses... Uh, it's an amazing area, and people don't know about it. Yeah, I've been up there. I think I did a few day, I, a few days up there. The only thing is, like, be, some people want to go there and go hiking, but watch out for the leeches. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't, you know, <laughs> as long as you, if you drive around, there's wild elephants running around there too. There are wild elephants. I didn't there see are, any. Yeah. There are uh, a, a lot of uh, dangerous animals as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah you got to be. I wouldn't go in the... You see them when people are going hiking. They, it looks like they got COVID gear on going in there because <laughs> there's so many... And the leeches are horrible. They're super small. They can yeah, get right yeah. in your fingernails. Um, okay, we're going to wrap this episode up. I'm going to shoot this back to Thomas to this, this camera here. Um, now, you have uh, events coming up for Christmas. We're, we're going to release this podcast next week, Hans. Uh, I'll talk to you about that. Anyways... Um, you have, you have events coming up for Christmas and New Year's. And also, if you can just let everyone know um, where people can find you for eating grill, that's your camera there. And just talk a little bit about um, all that information if anyone wants to find that. And we'll leave links in the description. So if anyone's looking for that information on what to do on Christmas or New Year's, Thomas, take it away. Yeah, okay. Uh as mentioned, we have Eden Grill Phuket. Uh, we can be found uh, on, only, on any ma or a major, uh, all major social media like uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook, TikTok, uh, as well as our website. They are all called Eden Grill Phuket. So um, 
Yes, uh, we are planning for the season. We are planning quite a number of events. So we are starting off uh, on December 13th uh, with a show event called Burlesque, uh, which is uh, going along with the movie Burlesque, uh, famous for Cher and Christina Aguilera. So it will be the songs and the dances and stuff like that. Then Christmas Eve is a bit more festive. As I'm German, we Germans uh, uh, basically celebrate Christmas Eve more than Christmas Day. Uh, so Christmas Eve, we have a very beautiful set lunch um, uh, uh, alongside with uh, exclusive wines. And uh, uh, it, it starts off with a, a choral chorus from uh, Seventh Church. Uh, and uh, goes along with uh, Santa Claus appearance on three meter stealth uh, and uh, ends up with uh, a violin uh, Christmas concert. Uh, and then comes New Year. New Year is, of course, a big party. Our place is big. We have uh, two venues uh, all together. We can uh, accommodate about 500 guests. And uh, we start that off uh, with uh, a gala dinner of the absolute finest uh, we, we're gonna have uh, from uh, top tenderloin steaks to caviar uh, we have all the famous champagnes and then it goes into uh, an, uh, uh, a quite unseen uh, European fire show it's not like uh, the Thai beach fire shows it's uh, uh, far more dramatic uh, which is on our ponton, our lake ponton in the beer garden. Uh, we do that uh, two times, uh, at 9 and at 10.30. And uh, it ends uh, with the traditional big fireworks uh, uh, all over the lake. So uh, I think it will be a very interesting thing. We have two DJs. One of them is my son, uh, quite, quite well-known Dan Buri, uh, who plays uh, at the beer garden all night. And uh, yeah, and we take it from there and see how long it goes. Uh, and then on a side note, we were talking a little bit of before you're doing uh, a medical clinic uh, called City Care. Uh, if you don't mind, just especially with like, you know, um, um, this tourism coming, medical tourism coming to Thailand, and this is exploding. Can you just explain a little bit about what that is here? Just push, push the mic up a bit. Um, just talk a little bit, yeah, what is City Care and how that came together and what it's all about? Well, uh, I mentioned that I did 20 years for medical products. So uh, uh, my passion for medicine uh, with also my family background uh, uh, is a very high level. So um, I saw uh, with also the Thai government's announcement that they want to push medical tourism into Thailand. Um, I saw the potential of bringing more innovative medicine into Thailand. Um, so uh, I joined up with a couple of uh, partners and uh, we founded uh, CityCare uh, 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 as a special venue for not only general medical practices, but we do mainly stem cells. So uh, we have our own laboratory now in Bangkok. We grow our own stem cells and we, instead of using them as, uh, 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 as pure, uh, uh, let's say, a vehicle for rejuvenation or for beauty treatments, uh, we, we emphasize more on the medical side because, uh, shortly explained, uh, live stem cells are cell multiplicators. 
So wherever in the body you have gen degenerations, like uh, mainly in uh, knees, uh, shoulders, I mean uh, all kinds of joints, uh, where cartilage has, uh, has degenerated, uh, we inject uh, stem cells to regrow, uh, regrow cartilage. But we also do uh, a fair amount of hair loss treatments uh, successfully. Uh, we uh, help people with diabetes, uh, chronic uh, rheumatism. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very a promising uh, technique. It's, it's uh, forbidden in many countries. So uh, Thailand is uh, one of the few spots. This uh, is in Phuket. That is in where's Phuket. It, where's is it located? Kamala Beach. Perfect. Um, we'll leave links in the description. You check that out. I mean, it is high season. That stuff probably sells quick. Um, so probably just contact them through the, the Instagram is the best way. Yes. Yes. yes Maybe yes, send a message on Instagram. And stay in touch with us. We will have uh, continuous events until the end of February. So uh, more news coming up uh, at any time. All right, uh, we'll wrap that up. Let us know what you thought about the podcast. Leave some comments, especially. Again, we were more focused on Thomas's time in Thailand since the 80s and uh, you know, bringing that informa information to light. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. And that's the end of another episode. We're out.